2 Corinthians chapter 12, there is a word from the Lord. Bible says, so to keep me from being, becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. Here it is. A thorn. Somebody say a thorn. A thorn was given me in the flesh. What's this thorn speaking about? A messenger of Satan to harass me. To keep me from becoming, here it is again, conceited. Then the Bible says in verse 8, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Somebody say three times. Three times I pleaded that it should leave me. Verse 9 says, but he said to me, I love it, my grace. Somebody say amazing grace. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And then the apostle Paul declares and says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. Come on, somebody. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Some people think that it's uh, not advantageous or auspicious for you and I to declare things like we're imperfect. When in actuality, Paul says that he boasts in his imperfection. Because when he is weak, here it is, in the last part of verse 10, then I am strong. If you will, bow your heads with me as we jump into this message today. God, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to declare your word. And Lord, I pray that even now in this moment, Lord, that you would take my lips, my tongue, my heart. And Lord God, use them for your glory. So much so that all that are watching and hearing and will watch and hear this through the week, that their lives would be transformed and be the better because of that which they hear and their gaze would be focused more strongly upon you and I thank you and I give you the honor in Jesus mighty name let everybody say amen glory to God if you will uh, in the chat go ahead a couple y'all just put say grace say grace say grace praise the Lord go ahead and put that in the chat say grace uh, and we're going to jump right in on today. Say grace. This is our fifth part, if you will. And so, you know, how many of you have ever been in a position uh, where you have had an unwanted guest in your house? I mean, have you ever had some of y'all, you're like, nah, fam, I don't even open up my house, so that doesn't happen. But, you know, every now and again, you know, there are some people that will be in your house and you really don't want them there. And you ever, anybody other than me know people that just can't take cues? You know, the people that are just not aware you might have invited them and all this sort of stuff. So look, uh, I'll never forget, man. Uh, and I, a lot of my stories start with I'll never forget because there are indelible moments in my life that I learned stuff from. And I'm like, this never going to happen ever again. Uh, and so anyway, I invited, I remember I had a, a little get together uh, by the house and I'm not going to you know say too much about the details because I don't want to put it out there too tough but a number of years ago and uh, some people came by my house and it was one of those moments where you know my wife was actually pregnant uh, with Claire at the time and she was there no no actually she had just had Claire that was what had happened and we were there by the house and you know it was one of those moments where okay the party was over and the man and them were starting to get to be like oh 
okay, guys, it's time for bed, you know. And it was one of those things where everybody's like, okay, you know, more, the majority of the people them took the cue. You know, I know what I'm talking about. And they're like, okay, yeah, okay, all right, man. We'll see, you, we'll see you next week or we'll see you another time or whatever. And they got up and we were leaving and getting their jackets and all this stuff, whatever. And when we, well, you know, ushered the last person out the door, I came back downstairs, you know, about to take off the clothes and just, you know, just part and go sit on the couch and just lounge, you know what I mean? And then I turn around and lo and behold, it's somebody still sitting on the couch. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> you know the awkward laugh? <laughs> oh, man. It's, uh, yeah, it's getting late now. <laughs> And so, yeah, good scene. Yeah. And then you just kind of like try to go be sit beside them and then get up. You know, like you're trying to usher them up and then we're going to just walk to the door to get. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. We're just walking to the door together. You know, we're trying to head in the direction, whatever the case may be. You know, and then you're like, you know, and, and this is this. The, I'll never forget. Even in this moment, we had made like I had, you know, you have people over to your house. When people have you over to their house, at least when I grew up. You know, man, like, you, you have some brought up, see, right? And so if somebody invites you over to their house, first of all, you don't ever look in their fridge. I mean, this person was looking in my fridge. They were, like, on some stuff about, like, oh, yo, just, you know, this, this food that you put out is okay. Uh, but the next time, you probably want to have a little more than such and such. Right, eh? And so it's just insane because I'm thinking, I'm like, man, when are you going to get up out my house, fam? And so after it, man, it got to the place where it was just like, man, I honestly like, like I was starting to get a drapes in my spirit. I was starting to get a drapes. I was ready in that moment. I felt like just, you know, doing like Uncle Phil, like, oh, you know, y'all don't remember that. I felt like just dashing man's out the door, you know, without the bed to catch the fall. You know how they do in the TV. But in that moment, as crazy as it was, I was able to keep my composure until it was the time for me, for that person, until they actually finally got up and took the cue. And I said to them nicely, hey, man, it's time to go. I mean, I was all walking to my bedroom, you know, trying to get and they were still. And so in that moment, it was one of those times where it's kind of like, yo, fam, like. Time was over. It was cool that you were here. It was cool that you were around, you know, but it really was like it became as if it was like a thorn, you know, in my flesh, like in that moment, you know. And so am I the only person that's ever had someone like that in your house or you maybe it's not in your house. Maybe it's just people in your circle of influence. Maybe it's just, you know, a scenario or something that's there. And you're like, man, oh, how I wish you would get up out of here, fam. But it's just there. It's just there. You know, you go to work and it's just there. Can I just paint the picture? You get up and it's just there. You, you know, you do this and it's just there. You walk out your door and the neighbor's just there. You get, okay. You, you go, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's just, it's just there. And oftentimes there are these things that are in our situation. You're like, Jesus, could you just rapture them? I know they're saying, could you just rapture them tomorrow? Like, okay, y'all are acting like you're not real, fam. Like, you, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? You're like, can you just, I know, I, know, look, I, I still want to hang around for a little while, but could you just rapture them? 
Like, okay, I know there's somebody that's real with me that's there, but they're just there. And it's crazy because we find uh, that the Apostle Paul, he writes some interesting things as we're talking about, say, grace, and we're jumping in uh, here. And again, I encourage you to invite somebody, even if you're watching this in the replay, share it on your social uh, because it's going to be impactful, I believe, to someone. And he says from verse 7, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of revelations a thorn was given me in the flesh a messenger of satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited now firstly you're saying okay so what is he talking about to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations to break it back and to break it down and to give context uh, at the top of this chapter he begins from verse one talking about an experience that he had and it's one of those ones where it's so crazy. He's actually talking about himself in the third person. And so he says, I know a man. And he's referring to himself, we know, uh, because of the context and because of what transpires. And he says that he had a vision that was incredible. An a vision that was, uh, that was so potent and so powerful. He says he doesn't even know if he was in the body or if he was in the spirit. And he got caught up, as he says, to the third heavens. And so, you know, most people, uh, they will believe, especially in a biblical context, there is the heavens talking about where the bird is in the sky is that we can see that would be considered the first heaven. Some might say the first heaven. And then he goes on and then the second heaven would be the space, would be out of space, outer space where the stars and the planets and all of this would reside. And then the third heaven, everybody say the third heaven, the third heavens would be a place where uh, they would believe that God, that Yahweh, the most high God, would uh, is, uh, is residing with the angels and all of this. And so the apostle Paul, he's saying, I had a vision, fam. Like, it was serious. I don't even know if it was a vision or if it was something that was real. And I got caught up to the third heavens. And he says, I saw stuff that I can't even utter. I saw stuff that the human vernacular, no matter what dialect uh, you are able to, to, to conjure up, it could not communicate the things that I actually saw. And so God gave him an encouraging peak, if you will. Gave him revelation, whether it was in the body or whether it was in the flesh. He gave him this peak into the third heavens. And as he gives him this peak into the third heavens, he's saying that he came back and his head was just... Swole fam. He talks about boasting and all this sorts of stuff in the chapter, uh, in the preceding verses. I encourage you, go check it out. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, uh, up to the verse that we are starting from today. And so he says that as a result of this vision that he received, this vision that he received, God, it was given to him a thorn in the flesh to keep him from becoming conceited. Before I go there, I just want to note this because it's powerful. I think that it's great how God, before he gives us or sends us on assignments, will often give us revelation of some sort or some form of encouraging thing in order to encourage us before or to fuel us up before we face certain challenges. 
In fact, it's believed that this epistle, uh, the letter, rather, for those who wonder, uh, an epistle is a letter that was written by uh, one of the apostles, by one of Jesus's direct followers or one that was sanctioned by Christ in that uh, first phase in the early church. And so the Bible, uh, the Bible is clear that in this epistle, as Paul has written it, it we believe that it's written above around uh, the year 58 AD. And so then this occurrence that Paul's referring to when he saw this vision happen several years uh, after his after his conversion so in 44 AD about in that sort of an area so several years after his conversion and so uh, Paul had a specific call to go and minister to the Gentiles everybody say the Gentiles and so as he's called to minister to the Gentiles, for those who are wondering what a Gentile is, a Gentile is someone that is not a Jew. And so non, a non-Jew. And so he, this was out of the ordinary because salvation up to that this point uh, realized that salvation was considered for the Jews because it's through the Jews that Jesus came. And so salvation was seen as being to the Jews and this whole concept a concept of going to people who were not Jews to declare the gospel was unorthodox and the apostle Paul was going to face as you can imagine all sorts of craziness all sorts of things that would transpire as a result of going into this environment and so God gives him we believe this revelation that he got at the top of his ministry to the Gentiles as we believe some form of an encouragement prior to the hardships that he's going to face can i just teach this thing for a minute you got to understand the context we oftentimes jump to the latter part of this ver of this chapter of the or this pericope this part of the passage but it's imperative for us to understand context somebody say context and so as he before he gets to the place that we're going to deal with you know he has this revelation and i love it because you know as i think about this it reminds me of my own ministry Never forget when God called me to preach when I was uh, 18 years old and I had I had a moment where, you know, he called me and he told me he was sending me into an ultra religious environment where I was to plant a church and to preach something that was completely aside from the ordinary of what it was that they were espousing at the time. And, you know, it ended up being just as I thought difficult, but the Lord did mighty things there uh, in in that environment. And then even, uh, you know, for what he's called us to do, because if I could just be real, man, yo, this thing, this church planting journey is not for the faint of heart fam this pastoring thing you better be called to do it it's a lot of people uh, that are just after this thing in a titular sense because you want people to call you pastor and you want people to follow you all this stuff listen it is suicide to jump up in this thing without a calling if I can just keep it real man it's, it's more uh, preaching is less than five percent of pastoring let me just help somebody to understand this. Uh, and so, uh, you know, when I started this thing, I'll never forget, I got saved and called to preach in the same day. And just to, you know, skirt by this real quickly uh, for the sake of what it is that I'm sharing. I got called. Jesus said, I called you to preach uh, after I got saved and confirmed it uh, by having my dad. I said, if this is you, have my dad call me today before, uh, tw before 12 o'clock. And in, that was 12 o'clock in the morning. And he only calls me me once a week I was living in Michigan at the time and I love telling this story especially for those who have never heard this and I was there 
And I'm sitting there watching Fresh Prince reruns in my living room on Nick at Night. I lived in Michigan, and so that was what we had. And they would just play back to back to back Fresh Prince episodes. And you know, I don't remember which episode it was, but I'm sitting there, and as I'm there waiting, man, crapping bricks, like, is he actually gonna call? Because he spoke to me earlier that day, only calls me one time a week. And so I'm like, is he gonna call? 11:59. Somebody say 11:59. 11:59, the phone rings it was a landline see back back in those days we didn't even have like cell phones like that you know like and so we still had landlines we still use landlines especially for that long distance child and so we were in the moment there the the, the line rung at 11:59, and i look over i'm like who is it and i see it's an ontario call it's my dad who's calling i pick up the phone and it's my dad and he goes he goes i'm like dad why me why are you calling me right now and he goes i'm calling you because i just felt compelled to call you my dad's a pastor and in that moment it was a confirmation for the call that god had told me earlier i didn't see none of this i didn't know any of the things that i would have to face and experience but i knew that god had called me and it was confirmed in that moment and so later on in that night this was insane i was in my room talking about supernatural visions and i saw something crazy in that moment i saw something nuts i remember i was sleeping on my futon you know, how many of you ever slept on a futon? That's that bachelor life, fam. You know, it turns into a bed. It's a couch. People put in their, their, their tail on the place where you're going to sleep. <laughs> I only had a futon. And, you know, it was just there in my room. And that was where I had slept. And I'll never forget, man, I used to have those things. Some of you, uh, you know, they try to science it. And they tell you it's sleep paralysis. Uh, but, you know, there, yes, I know the technical term. Uh, but, you know, I've had the scenarios where you're sleeping. Maybe somebody knows what I'm talking about. And you wake up and then suddenly you can't move. And you you can't go anywhere and you can't do anything and you try to speak and you can't do nothing and you know this is the thing a lot of times they just chalk it up to sleep paralysis but people don't realize I mean I've had experiences uh you know prior to that where I'm hearing like and I'm seeing all sorts of things uh, in my room and things that happen and so these have been crazy experiences uh, uh, anybody if that's you if you've ever had that experience something like that uh, I want you in the chat just go ahead I did I did or put a hand up emoji if you know what I'm talking about and so in this moment, usually I would be asleep, and while I was asleep, then I would, uh, it would happen where I'd pop up out uh, of my sleep, and I couldn't, you know, or whatever the cases are, or I'd be in an in-between. And so I'll never forget, I'm there, and I'm lying on my futon. And while I'm lying on the futon, uh, the thing happens. But the thing happened while I was awake this time. And it was so crazy that I couldn't tell, like what Paul's saying, I couldn't tell whether I was in awake or whether I was asleep I had no clue but it but I felt to my knowledge like I was awake and in this moment I'll never forget I couldn't move couldn't do anything but this time I could see and my whole room my little apartment area changed around and right there in my apartment a, a crib shows up in front of my window a baby's crib and my computer desk I could see it clear as day disappeared a computer desk that was there, you know, I had, I even had a closet with, you know, uh, the makeshift studio. Y'all don't know about that. The makeshift studio, I got a mic, I, I soundproofed out, took out all the hooks and stuff. I used to be in there rapping like, yo, 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 yo. You know, it was crazy. It was, it was just a lot of, you actually wouldn't have wanted to see that. Uh, but all of my stuff moved out of the room a crib there in front and there's a baby in the crib and the baby is crying and the baby is crying and the baby is crying and as the baby is crying I'll never forget a, a, a man shows up in the window wearing a green suit like uh, like the Joker 
And he's standing there, he's bald-headed, he has a pasty face, and he's looking at me like I stole something from his mom. And he looked like he was going to kill me. And then he, he had a black glove on his hand. And he took the black glove off of his hand. And this is happening and I'm looking at this. And I, I can't move. I can't do anything. I'm intently focused on what's happening. He takes the black glove off and he shoves it in the baby's mouth. He shoves it in the baby's mouth. And in that moment, the baby stops crying. Baby stops crying. And I'm like, man, what on earth does any of this thing mean? Look, I got duppy in my room, man. Like all this. And literally, out of that moment, out of that moment, I started saying Jesus. I finally was able to break my lips to say Jesus. And as I was saying Jesus, I was saying Jesus. Suddenly, a figure appeared in my room. I still up to this day. I couldn't see its face. I don't know what it was. I believe it was Jesus or I believe it was an angel. And in that moment, as he stood up and as he showed up in the bottom area of my futon, then all of that stuff disappeared and my room went back to normal. And I snapped out of it exhausted. Like I was in a fight. It was insane what had happened. I would not make it up. It was crazy. I still to this day don't know if I was awake or if I was in between. I don't know. I call it the in-between. But it was vivid as day. And it was showing me. I went and I spoke with my pastor about it at the time who was my, my father in the gospel. And we talked about it. And he said, this is you being birthed into the ministry. You just, God put a call on your life. And he was showing you that Satan and his imps, their desire by him putting the glove in your mouth was to shut you you up saying he's going to shut you up but then now when you call on jesus jesus is there to back you up the devil says he's going to shut you up but jesus is going to back you up and so that was my initial calling experience some of y'all you wonder why is this guy so passionate why is he so serious why would he abandon all i mean i've been pastoring preaching from i was 19 is when i got licensed and pastoring since i was 20 and i've been serious about this because of moments like that and trust me i needed that revelation because I, what I was going to face and what I'm still facing, I needed to know that Jesus was going to back me up. And Jesus, 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 when he calls you to something, when he positions you, when he puts you in place, he sieves, gives you an eye revelation. He gives us revelation. He puts people and things in our lives. It might even be dreams and stuff like this. And so the fact of the matter is, out of that, I can look and be like, oh, I'm the man. I'm the man because Jesus called me. Devil's going to, you know, okay, you know, devil thinks he can get me. Now, it's very easy from you to, for you to slip from revelation to pride. Oh, can I just talk about it? It's very easy for you to get to the place where you're so arrogant that you forget your assignment. Where you and I get to the place where we are like, oh, I'm better than everybody. I'm be and Jesus, Jesus, if I could just keep it real. Jesus, this is why the apostle Paul, he starts in verse 7 to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. A thorn. Somebody say a thorn. Oh, can I just work with this? A thorn was given me in the flesh. Come on. A messenger, a messenger of Satan to harass me. Now, now some people will believe, some people try to figure out what is this thorn. And there's many speculations and thoughts as to whether or not this was a person that was sent there to bug him, an unwanted guest that just wouldn't get up and leave, or if it was somebody uh, or something, some believe it may have been an eye ailment or some form of a 
bodily injury or bodily ailment that was there and that would not go away the fact of the matter is whatever it was I love that it was not spoken uh, of specifically uh, the writer the apostle Paul was not punctilious about letting us know exactly what it was and the reason why I believe is because it leaves it open I think God in his providence it leaves it open so that those of us no matter what our thorn is that we can be able to identify with it who's with me on this morning so the fact of the matter is uh, can I give you point number one here it is I want to give you point number one in regards to this when we're talking about God allowing thorns for the sake of humility here it is God often allows us to get thorny for the sake of humility here it is somebody help me in the chat God often allows us to get thorny for the sake of humility listen man we live in such a uh, a creative and intelligent generation bible makes it clear that even in these last days that knowledge will increase come on somebody i mean i talk to my children and i am absolutely mind blown my son noah especially is one of the most wise children that i have never met in my life and i am absolutely blown away by the way he is able to wrap his mind around and conjure up certain things there are peers that i have there are people that i listen to online and that i see on youtube and i mean listen man people are talking about stuff today there is a level of intelligence uh, that is just in the earth at this moment and the fact of the matter is that in many cases watch this we are in such an arrogant consequently and prideful and narcissistic generation it's all about us it's all about what we can acquire it's all about what we can do and how great we are and we're just you know it's all about me and it's all about me myself and I and what I can get out of it and how great and how cool and yes by the by all means you ought to recognize the greatness that's on your life but that greatness ought to get you and I to the point come on where we are where it is an altar call or where it is a point of praise for us to give the glory to God come on anybody else other than me know that you wouldn't have anything you wouldn't have no gift you wouldn't have no skill you wouldn't have no talent you wouldn't have no ability you wouldn't have any intelligence you would every good and perfect gift come here james comes from above from the father of light who is we're in there is no shadow of turning i wouldn't have anything if it was not for god but we live in a generation that acknowledges not god and acknowledges wisdom and self and things of this nature and the fact is that oftentimes especially as believers we can get to the place where we become vain and we become focused on ourselves instead of using what god has given us and the things that he has shown us as an opportunity to give glory to him the fact is uh, i'll even say this i just say we are in a generation that does not know how to properly steward the supernatural 
we're aware of the supernatural we're aware of giftedness we're aware we're aware of blessings and it's happening in our lives but we don't know how to and God he makes it clear the apostle Paul says that a thorn if I can just get back to the text he says a thorn was given to me so that I would not become conceited God's desire for you and for your life I'm going I'm moving but God's desire for your and my life if he truly has called you he said as he did in John 15 verse 15 and 16 he says you didn't choose me come on I chose you that you would bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain God's desire is not just for you to get some views on YouTube and die and go and nobody remembers you God's desire is not for you to be a flash in the pan. God wants what he called you to do to remain. It's not about accolades. Come on. It's not about self-gratification. It's not about people chanting your name. All of those things are accoutrements. They are extras. They are byproducts. But the focus and the focal point ought to be our giving the glory to God. Come on. Somebody that knows that you wouldn't have anything or be anything without God and you ought to do all things for his glory can you just go ahead in the chat and just take a moment and give him some glory for everything that you are and so the fact of the matter is he allows our situations to get thorny to keep us humble he keeps to keep us humble because his desire is to see us progress and his desire is not for just our progression but for our longevity Oh my, can I just tell you, I know I'm parked here for a minute, but I want you to know, man, I am doing what I am doing because I want to see this thing go on in my children. Mm. Uh, I want I want this thing to be generational. Serve City is not just the newest, hottest, coolest church in Toronto. That's not what it's about to us. We're not just trying to offer something new that's popped and hyped and nice. For I want this to be something that my kids and my children's children, any witnesses, is anybody else other than me building for the generations ahead? I want for the generations after me to take this thing and be glory carriers and it doesn't just stop in this generation and it's only going to happen if we keep God at the forefront so back to the text he says in verse 8 he says uh he says in verse 7 that in order to keep because of the surpassing greatness thorn was given in his flesh a messenger of Satan to harass him to keep him from becoming some seed I'm talking about grace hold on here we go verse 8 says three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should leave me so i love this because the apostle paul in that moment he says i'm going to test this thing i want to check and see and in the moment he doesn't just say okay this is just the lord and whatever the case is and i'm just going to go ahead i'm just going to accept this or whatever no he goes and he persistently somebody say persistently he persistently and the number three uh, it, it, it can be figurative it just can speak about the the, the magnitude with which he was persistent uh, or it can talk about the fact that he actually went to God uh, focused in and asked him three times to take this thing away from him so Paul I love it this is Paul that is healing folk this is Paul that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament this is the Apostle Paul that is literally we still I'm reading and preaching from his writings today and he was seeking God three times you ever gotten to a place where you there's something in your life a, a thorn in your life come on 
thorn in your life that has popped up or that is there and you've been seeking God. God, I want this thing to go away. God, take this thing away. He says he pleaded with the Lord. So he didn't, this was not no little mamby-pamby prayers. He literally pleaded with God. He begged, he asked God, can you take this thing away from me? And here we find that sometimes the thorns in our lives are not things that are, they might even come from Satan, but they have not been allowed by Satan. But they've been allowed by our God as heinous or challenging them as they may seem to keep our feet on the ground. So what God has started in us can actually be brought to pass in our lives. And so he seeks God three times. Somebody say three times. He's persistent. I want to talk to somebody. Oh, this is a word that I believe somebody needs to hear on today. Right in the middle of the challenges that we are facing, especially uh, to continue this. Here we go. Part point number two. Point number two for you. Help me in the chat, if you will. Our persistence in asking doesn't always mean God will grant us our requests. Here, let me say this again. Our persistence in asking doesn't always mean God will grant our requests. I mean, we live in a culture that is not just prideful and arrogant and narcissistic, but we live in a church culture that serves and worships genie Jesus. Oh, you never heard about genie Jesus, have you? Genie Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you get saved and if you give a certain amount of money, if you rub the lamp good enough, come on somebody, then Genie Jesus will show up and he will give you whatever it is that you are desirous. Of. Have you ever heard of that guy? If you just praise him hard enough, if you just give the certain amount, if you stand in the line. Oh, can I talk about it? And give a certain specified amount of money. Then that's how. Then genie Jesus will give you whatever it is. Oh my. Can I tell you. This is to our detriment. And in many regards we have missed. What the Lord is trying to do. Through seasons of difficulty. Through seasons of suffering. Come on. We ought to be believers. You got to read the book of 1 Peter and 2 Peter. It talks about how we are to steward suffering well. When sometimes there are things that happen that we rebuke and they go away but there are other things that we seek God to take up out of our lives and God says no I have placed this in your life so that it can keep your feet on the ground and challenge you especially seasonally because sometimes there are things down the line that if you didn't deal with this here you wouldn't be able to handle them there oh my I never forget what my son Gabriel you know he was he was young I talk a lot about my kids. Uh, we're really, really involved in their lives, as you can probably tell if you follow us. And my kids, man, uh, Gabriel, he always, when he, was a, when he was a baby, there was a coffee table in the middle of the living room. And he always used to walk, and he always used to bust himself on the coffee table and fall down all the time. And the thing is, man, it was like, at some point it was like, man, do we, should we just move the coffee table? Like, because he keeps doing... And then in that moment, as I did, as I thought about moving the coffee table, because he kept hitting himself when he walked on the coffee table, I thought about it. I said, no, in this moment, this thing needs to remain here because it's going to be stuff in his future that he can't just pick up and move away. And he needs to learn how to navigate the things that are in his environment. Come on, somebody. And this thing is preparing him for something down the line that 
this. It's a coffee table now, but the coffee table is pre is preparing him for the job situation or that co-worker that's not going to leave and how he's supposed to navigate when it's the Oh, y'all hearing what I'm saying? And so the fact of the matter is there are stuff in our lives that we often miss because we think God is genie Jesus. We don't realize that he often has a bigger plan and a bigger purpose. Oh, who am I talking to on this morning? Oh, I hope this is blessing somebody today. We have to change our perspective on the thorns in our life. So our persistence in asking doesn't always mean God will grant our requests. The fact of the matter is that, you know, we have scriptures like Luke chapter 18, verse 1 and onward is this parable. And I preached out on it, on it before. This woman who needed to be avenged. And, you know, and, and she goes to the judge and she cries out and she's persistent and she talks and she talks and she talks and she talks and she's going off to the judge nonstop. And eventually the judge, after she's persistent, answers her request and grants her what it was she was seeking for. And the fact of the matter is that every that that there are scriptures that tell us if you ask. If you seek, if you knock, what you are in need of will be answered. So it's not to say that our persistence goes, always goes unanswered. But there are times when God says, no, come on somebody. Because, and, and can I even, can I let you in on this? Because look, it's not, you know when your kids beg you for stuff? And, and sometimes it's easy for us to understand when we're like, well, yeah, Timmy, you're not going to have, uh, you're not going to have breakfast. I mean, you're not going to have gummy worms for breakfast. Right. It's easy for us if we liken it onto that. But it's difficult for us when it's a good thing. When it's a, anybody other than me, you ever sought God? Oh, can I just get real? Am I the only person that has ever asked God to do something that was a good thing? You were like, man, this would really help me if I could get this job right now. Because if I get this job right now, I'll be able to pay these bills. And if I'm able to pay these bills that are over here, within, and, and we often, we're asking God for something that's good. And he says, no. Oh, my. And you're like, but God, you're a good God. And this is a good thing. Why would you say no? It's not just gummy bears for breakfast. Sometimes it's broccoli for dinner. Sometimes it's the stuff that we think that we need in that moment. But this is why the God prophesies through the prophet Isaiah. He says, my ways are not your ways. Come on. My thoughts are not your thoughts. This is why he is God and we are not. This is why he is omniscient, meaning that he knows all things and we are not. Come on, somebody. He knows everything. He can look into your situation and see that that job is going to make you blow your brains out. And even though you don't see it in this moment, there's a better job just round the corner if you would trust him through this no oh my somebody ought to put that in the chat i gotta trust god through the nose come on you ought to get to the place where you know that if he truly is in control of your life that you gotta get to the place where even if you seem and you think that it's something that's good sometimes god has something better around the corner and too many of us are willing to settle for good when god has better Sometimes there are things in our life that we wish that would work out and we wish that came to pass and you don't even see, man, if I could just be a witness to let somebody know this. I love it because we see these examples in Jesus. In Jesus, is, it's just ironic, I think. It's uh, somewhat coincidental, if you will. Uh, in Matthew chapter 26, what book did I say? 
Matthew chapter 26, if you will, Matthew chapter 26, uh, and we're looking, uh, if you will, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus is on his way getting prepared to die. And as he is preparing to die, as he's getting ready to die, uh, he goes before this to, the gar- to a garden uh, to pray with his disciples, the garden of Gethsemane. And the Bible says as he is thinking about the assignment before him, And the hardships that he is going to have to face as being the individual that is going to die for the sins of the world. A lot of times there are people that think Jesus, he came to the earth, Yahweh put on flesh. And when he when he was in the earth and he was feeling the challenges, he's like, I'm here to save the day. And I love this and this is amazing. And this is just going to be the greatest experience that I've ever had in my whole life. Can I tell you that even Jesus... Jesus was like, look, look, look at Jesus. Here it is. Because see, this is the thing. I want you to see when this is the Savior we serve. He's not, he, 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 he went through the same sort of stuff that we went through. He was honest about where he was. Here it is, verse 36. At that time, Jesus went to his disciples, took a place, is verse 36 of Matthew 26, took uh, to a place called Gethsemane. And the Bible says, and he told them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Jesus is distressed. Jesus is distressed. I know, and like I said, perspective-wise, we, we don't even think about this. We, we think that Jesus is just like, here I am to save the day. And he just shows up and he's like, yay. No, he is deeply distressed, Bible says. Verse 38, then he said to them, my soul is consumed with sorrow to the point of death. Am I making it up or is it in the text? This Jesus being real about being distressed he is depressed to a point where he is at the point of death anybody ever felt there this is why hebrews 14 lets us know that we have a high priest or or jesus is someone that has been that has been tempted and faced with all of the stuff that we have faced and was yet without sin so if he was yet without sin then that means that him admitting that he was depressed and sorrowful to the point of death It felt like he was, if that was the case, then that's not even sinful for us to admit this. Oh, is anybody else with me in the text? And I love it because he says, stay here and watch with me. Going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. This Jesus talking. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to disciples, found them sleeping. Were you not able to keep watching me? Uh, You guys are a waste, dudes. You couldn't even pray with the man them. And he says, he asked Peter, verse 41, watch and pray so that you will not enter temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. 42, a second time he went away and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot pass unless I drink it, may your will be done. And again, Jesus returned and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So he left and went away and once more prayed a third time. Everybody say a third time. How many times did Paul pray? Isn't this cool? Paul, Paul, the apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he's praying three times, asking this thorn to be taken away. Here we find Jesus saying, if this thorn can be taken away if this cup that i have to drink can be taken away take it away from me he's saying i know that i'm here on this rescue mission but this thing is deep man it's dark it's ugly and i'm feeling the weight of the world in this moment he says if it can pass let it pass but then he goes on and he says but nevertheless not my will but your will be done 
And that's where we ought to be as believers. We ought to get to the place where we're like, you know what? I know that there are things that I desire for God to do in my life. And sometimes the assignment that he gives me, he gave me a revelation to show me about the blessing that's ahead. But the fact is, oftentimes we see the blessing, but we don't know about the weight and the darkness and the depth of the things that are happening. We didn't know that COVID was going to show up and that we were going to have to stand up under this weight. Come on. And many of us were here and we're saying, oh God. God, can this pass and can that pass and all the things that are the ramifications of what we've been facing we've been crying out and many of us are sorrowful and challenged and in that moment and like Jesus we have cried out and we've asked and we've pleaded and sometimes we hear no and we ought to be like Jesus and say nevertheless not my will somebody in the chat ought to put nevertheless not my will it's not my will but your will uh, be done we even find uh, can i give you something from the old testament in second corinthians chapter 12 uh, we find and i want you to write this down check it out after i'm not going to read the whole chapter but second samuel chapter 12 verse 15 through 23 we find uh if you will, we find that 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 David, David, King David, he had he had sin and he took a man's wife and got her pregnant and the baby came out. And in this moment, it was crazy where he is crying out and he is fasting and he is praying and he is from set up for seven days. He's not eating anything. He's in sackcloth and ashes, which was the attire and the behavior of one who was seeking God in the Old Testament and in this sort of a position. And he's asking God to heal the child. But God had already made this declaration because of the fact that it was this because of how what happened with with David and what he did and verse 20 says then David uh, well actually you know what uh, from verse 18 on the seventh day the child died and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead for they said behold while the child was alive we spoke to him and he did not listen to us how then can we say to him the child is dead he may do himself some harm but when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to the servants, is the child dead? They said, he is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and worshipped. After the child dies, when he's seeking God for the child to live, he hears that the child has passed. After he sought God, he did his part and he rises, washes himself and he worships. And then look at the Bible. The Bible says uh, he then went on his to his own house. And when he asked, they set food before him and he ate. Verse 21, then his servant said to him, what is this thing that you have done? You fasted and you wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food he said while the child was still alive i fasted and wept for i said watch this for i said now he is uh, uh, i said who knows whether the lord will be gracious to me that the child may live verse 23 and this is this is some maturing stuff i'm trying to send your way because we don't serve genie jesus this is real stuff this stuff is in the bible too and many of us been missing the blessing after challenging situations because of we're not grasping these things. Come on. And, and so he says, verse 23, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. 
So in that moment, David is seeking. He is fasting. He's in sackcloth and ashes. And he knows in that moment, after he has sought God, who is able to raise that child and keep that child. He, after God made the decision to say no in that time, he rises and he worships. And he also looks forward to the future hope that comes. Because even though the child can't come back to him, he knew that one day he was going to see the child. And the fact of the matter is that the, en that, that the enemy has many of us bound. There are no's that we received. Come on. And, and many of us, even as we prayed for loved ones, can I just go there? And I want to be as sympathetic and empathetic. And I'm not being insensitive. But the fact of the matter is there are many of us that have prayed for loved ones who have gone and who are no longer here with us. And you have loved ones who are left over. And you have forgotten about them. You have not paid them attention. You have not loved on them. Come on, somebody. Can I just keep it real? Because of the lamentation of someone who is God. And yes, we honor them. And yes, we honor their legacy. And the fact of the matter is, if they are saved, we have a hope that we can see them again when Christ returns. But we got to be to the place where we realize that God's desire and even their desire is not for us to be down here hindered from being able to move forward into what God has called us because and called us to on this earth and honoring their legacy by lifting it, living it out, by getting to the place where we are just stuck and we are stopped by what has transpired. And no, I'm not saying we just flip it and get over it. And I'm not saying any of that. Hear me for what I'm saying. There are many of you that need to be delivered in this area. Because God has plans for your life, but you, at you, I just even sense as I'm declaring this, there's someone who has been hindered and halted and bound, and you can't move on after you have heard a no. And so I want to go on because there are no's in our lives. And the only answer that God gives us is not yes. Come on, can I just talk some, some I, I, I want you to hear this. And so Paul, he sought God three times. And he asked God, can you take this thorn out of my flesh? And God says, I've allowed this in Paul's case. I've allowed it to stop you from being conceited. I've allowed it to keep your feet on the ground. And there are various reasons. Some of you, it may be because of arrogance and pride. Some of us, but some of us, there are also different assignments that God will allow the thorns in our lives to be there for. But I love this. Here we go. Uh, this is the text. And this is where we get to say grace. We don't just stop there. Somebody say, there's more, there's more, there's more. Watch this, watch this. Look, he says, if you will, in verse 9, even though he says no, watch this. He says to me, my grace. Somebody say, my grace. Oh, my, my, my. In the chat, come on, put my grace, my grace, my grace. His grace. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Oh, my. He says then, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I love it. Here we go. Point number three, my final point. I want you to note this. God may say no and God might not give us the requests of our heart. Sometimes he decides that he's going to allow instead for the thorn to remain in our life. But can I tell you, God's knows come with a side of his grace 
Oh my, maybe I'm the only person that's excited about this. God's no's come with a side of his grace. He does not, watch this, allow for these thorns to remain in our lives just for us to be able to navigate them by ourselves. When I allow that, that coffee table to still be there in the living room, you trust and believe. I'm not an irresponsible parent that just let my son be there and get to the place where he's just busting up himself all the time. No, I would take him and I would help him. Come on, somebody. I would help him to make sure that he learns that there are some things that are in the environment that can hurt him. And so there is grace. There is help. Remember, we defined God's grace as his work on our behalf or through us. Come on. It's work for us or work through us. And God, he makes it clear to Paul that even though you sought me three times and asked to take this thing away, my grace, come on, my grace is sufficient. I am faithful to be to the place where I will not suffer you. Come on, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. You ought to write that down and memorize it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation that has taken you that is not common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer us to be tempted above that which we are able. And with the temptation will make a way of escape. Watch this. Not for us to get out of it, but for us to be able to bear it. My God, I'm so grateful that even though sometimes he says no, he gives us his grace. Come on. And many of us, the reason why we can't get past the no or deal with the thorns that are in our lives is because we have been relying on our own self and our own strength. And can I witness with somebody today to let you know that, oh yes, man, the love, I lost my grandmother and I still cry like a baby when I think about her because she raised me because she was with me and cooked me food and all of this sorts of stuff but the fact of the matter is that I'm able to rest on his grace because his grace is enough I wonder if I have a witness that's watching with me somebody there that knows that God's grace is sufficient that even when they walked out on you I know you wish that you could have done better and they told you that it was your fault and they said all sorts of crazy stuff and the fact is that your self-worth has been challenged and now you are by yourself in this season and I want to tell you that self-help books that that's not where the answer is come on somebody talking to people who are going to get you to just sit there and bash the person that left that's not going to be helpful and hopeful it might be therapeutic in the moment but there's only something by the name of God's grace that can give you the strength I wonder if I'm all by myself that can give you the strength that you need to be able to endure the hardship come on the sickness that you've been facing there's some of you that have been sick for years and you have been seeking God and you've been praying and you've been asking for some to be changed and it has not been changed and God has said then allow this thorn to remain in your life and I'm here to tell you that his grace is sufficient to be able to keep you I know he's a healing God I know he might even heal you down the line but until that healing comes I encourage you to rest in his grace because his grace is sufficient somebody right there in your living room and in the chat ought to give the Lord praise if you know his grace is sufficient his grace sufficient man it's like you know buying a burger without no condiments you ever try you just eat I remember yesterday you know in my house man the food is pretty crazy like when we go to the drive-thru you know one of my my wife always talk about she don't want no drink come on somebody 
Then when she gets to try to eat the burger, and she's chewing and she's going off and whatever, and then she realizes, she's like, oh man, this thing is, my throat is parched, fam. And in that moment, guess whose drink she comes and asks for? And the man them are Ben. I'm like, I don't want to give you my juice. I asked you, do you want a juice? You know? And Claire, Claire, she don't want nothing on her burger. She just wants the chicken. She just wants chicken and bread, and that's it. And I'm like, how on earth can you eat this thing? Because, wait, hold on, hold on. Anybody other than me, if you eat a burger with nothing on it and then you swallow, this actually happened to my son Gabriel yesterday. You try to swallow and there's nothing on it and then it just goes down real slow and you feel like you're going to die. Am I the only person? You feel like you're going to die and you're just like, oh my God. You just, because, because it's difficult to eat burgers, come on somebody, without a side of ketchup, come on somebody, without some condiments on there, uh, without a side of drink, without something to help wash it down. Oh my, I wonder if there's anybody that knows that God's grace will help you wash it down. The situations in your life, they might not shift or change, but aren't you glad that God will allow your situation to come with a side of grace? he'll allow your he'll give you grace for the nose so that you're not just sitting there looking crazy but he'll give you the grace so people will look at you and they'll be like man you should have been out of here by now come on somebody you should have given up and thrown in the towel i mean look at what you're facing look at the thorns in your life look at the way that it's going on right now you should have given in the towel and you're able to say grace come on somebody you're able to say that it's grace that brought me to this point and it's his grace that is keeping me and even though he might not calm the storm sometimes right in the middle smack down in the middle of the storm he will calm me down come on and give me the grace i wonder if i got a witness to be able to handle it so look once you understand this as i'm thinking it's not that god needs us to be weak because he tells paul his strength is made perfect in our weakness it's not that god needs us to be weak in order for his grace to be activated it's not that that's the case it's not that he finds pleasure in our humiliation it's not that this is the case but i think that this is strategically placed in scripture to remind us that it's not just it's not just in good times that his grace is truly available and activated that it's even in good times in fact he says his strength is perfected in weakness so especially in challenging times when we can't make it, when you and I feel like throwing in the towel, when the thorns are there, that it's at that point, it's at that point that his strength is perfected. He is able to come through and hold us up and really have our back and give us, give us the strength not to mash mans when they won't leave your house and you want them to get out. And so the fact, y'all don't want to be real with me. Okay, uh, so look, now watch this. I love it because... When we're talking about grace, especially in God giving us grace for the nose, grace manifests through spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, verse 9 talks about how there is the manifestation of faith. God manifests grace through faith in our lives. This is the reason why you still believe God even in the middle of the no. It's because when you open yourself to the Holy Spirit, he manifests faith in your life. This is powerful stuff. I want you to get this. Can I tell you that grace is seen in the fruit of the Spirit? This is why the Holy Spirit in our lives, bearing love and joy and peace and all of this, this is a manifestation of grace. Can I tell you, especially the fruit of the Spirit through other people? 
What tree bears fruit so that it can eat its own fruit? Truth free, freeze. Trees, no perfect people allowed. Trees don't bear their own fruit to eat their own fruit. They bear fruit so that somebody else, come on somebody, can benefit from it. And one of the greatest displays of grace in the time of no's, one of the greatest displays of God's grace to us is when people get beyond themselves and share some fruit with you. Never forget, man, you know, I was sharing, I, I've had all sorts of stuff happen to me. That's why I'm telling you, man, this journey has been crazy. I've been molested. Actually, I was talking about my wife with that this week. I was molested, you know, and it, and it wasn't even when I was a child. It was a little bit older in age. Crazy situation that took place. And I was sharing with her, and there have been some times, man, when I have literally been in a dark place. I remember in the basement we just moved out of that we've been shouting and celebrating. There was a time when I was in the corner. I found the darkest corner in the house, and I sat there in the corner because of what had transpired. And I literally sat there in the darkness ready to die. I was like, it is over. And I sat there, and that was over. Uh, can I just be real? And there was no dark. There was no light anywhere. And I, was, I just felt like ending it. Like, have you ever been to the place where you're like, man, what is the most you know, painless way that we can get this done? And I'll never forget, if I can be honest, is it okay for pastors to be honest? You know, and, and I'll never forget, I'm sitting there at the darkest, deepest place. And, I and my wife, she came down the stairs. She was upstairs. I waited till everybody was gone. And she came. She just happened to come down the stairs. And she shows up down the stairs and she goes into the living room while I'm sitting. And I'll never forget, she got, literally sat on my knees, straddled my legs and looked in my face and started declaring the word of the Lord. Come on. See, this is why she's my ride or die fam. She literally started declaring the word of the Lord like you will live and not die. You will do, you will be everything that God called you to be. I can't even remember all the stuff that she looked in my spirit. You know when somebody looked in your soul and she was throwing some serious fruit in this moment come on you are going to be devil you get up off my you get up off my hood I think she even put a little she went off on that moment and just went off and looked in my eyes and put some fruit and manifestation in that moment to the point where I was able to get up and walk up out of that situation and declare even though there was a no based on what had happened I wish it never happened but nevertheless and God gave me grace for the nose, but it was the grace through my wife. This is why you can't ignore the moments where you feel compelled to text somebody. This is why you can't. I know they might be annoying. I know they might be tripping, but it might be those situations where God is using you to get somebody from killing themselves. Oh, can I just keep it real? You don't know what you're facing. And so I wanna, I'm going to end with this. I want you to know. The grace, as Albert Barnes says, a commentator, he says, the grace that will be imparted if the calamity is not removed will be of greater value to the individual than would be the direct answer to his prayer. In other words, he says the grace, the manifestation of what God is trying to do in the times where he says no in our lives. The grace that he applies to our situation in that moment is far greater than if he had said yes to the thing that you were seeking him for. Oh, he wants to demonstrate his power. He wants to demonstrate his grace. And so I close by talking because when I think about all this, I think about roses. 
talking about thorns and all this stuff, I think about roses. You know, the fact of the matter is that there are, I think, over 100 species and different types of roses. And some of them are bred specifically not to have thorns. Don't you wish that life could be like that? Don't you wish like we could just breed a certain type of life that don't have thorns? I'm telling you, no matter how spick and span, fam, things may seem and look, we cannot breed life to not have thorns. But the majority of them, they have the rose bushes have thorns and the roses have thorns. And I thought it was interesting as I was researching that roses have, they're actually called prickles, but many of us call them thorns to protect themselves from predators. The reason why is some roses would not be able to grow as beautiful as they do if they did not have thorns because animals would come and yam them before they could bloom to their fullest. People would pick them before they could bloom. Oh my, who am I talking to? Uh, and that, the fact of the matter is that oftentimes God allows the thorns in our lives to protect us from being picked prematurely. Sometimes he allows the thorns in our lives as not just for to keep us from being conceited, but the fact is he'll allow the thorns to be able to stop sometimes from situations coming upon us or us walking into things prematurely because of the fragrance that we give off. But then I'm closing. The fact of the matter is I was sitting there and I heard the Lord in my head. And as I was thinking about this and all the powerful stuff that we could grasp, I thought to myself, do thorns, do roses have thorns or do thorns have roses? In that moment, that just popped in my head. I said, like the Lord was telling me, son, do, 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 do roses have thorns or do thorns have roses? And he's like, think about it this way. Like, I know all the stuff that you were working on, but think about it this way. And then I went and I researched. I was like, hold on a second, fam. And there was a, a guy back in the day that is still, you know, not sure who it is that actually said this. But it's believed to be Alphonse Carr that said, we can complain because the rose bushes have thorns or rejoice because thorns have roses. What shows up first, the thorns or the roses? The rosebuds, when, when it is that the bush is growing and the rose, the thorns show up and the thorns are there. And then what transpires, if you look at it on the flip, is that the flower will come out. And when you would have looked previously just at a bush full of thorns, you're able to look at the thing and see that in, although there are thorns there, there is something that's beautiful and fragrant that is there to ease what it is that, that's going on there with those thorns. And I'm here to tell you today that God's grace is like that. There are thorns in our lives. There are things that can't go away. But with the thorns, he gives us grace. Come on, somebody. This is why he ends in verse 10 and says, For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships persecutions and calamities for when i am weak then i am strong and i want us to be a mature people a people that is not ignorant is not ignorant of is not ignorant of the grace is not ignorant of the thorns that we face but is ignorant but it's to the place where we rely on God's strengthening grace. 
that is made perfect in our weakness, that instead of focusing on the thorns, that we instead focus on the roses that have been given to these situations that are beautiful. Somebody there right now, you are in a challenging place and you feel like quitting, you feel like throwing in the towel because of the no's that you've received. And yeah, it's very possible that God can turn the situation around down the line but right now you're like man I feel like quitting right now and I'm here to tell you that he didn't bring you this far to leave you there's grace for the no there's grace for the no that is in your life and so in this moment I would be remiss if I did not invite you to put your trust and your faith in this God that I'm talking about right now, in order to be able to tap into this strengthening grace, this grace for the nose, this grace for the thorns, you first have to be to the place where you are trusting his saving grace, his saving work. The Bible makes it clear that you and I, that we are sinners. And that over 2,000 years ago that Jesus came, although we are sinners, and died in our place, like I was talking about, he was like, man, if this thing can pass, let it pass. But he, God, put on flesh and came and got in your and my place and died for us and for our sins. And he didn't stay dead, but he rose from death with all power. And today he extends to you and I life eternal, saving grace, his work on our behalf. He'll save you right now. Bible says the wages of sin is death you and I we're aware that people are dying I don't have to convince you of that and also in the Bible it talks about a place called hell that when you die apart from Christ it's a very real place that you go unless you and I would repent which means to turn change our minds and our hearts by God's strength because he gives you strength to do that as well and to put our trust and faith in his death, his burial, his resurrection. If you believe in him, John 3, 16, if you put your trust in him, if you give him your life, you will not perish. That even if you die, you get to go and be with Jesus forever. And so in this moment, I want to lead a prayer of commitment. And I'm going to lead this prayer of commitment. And don't tune out yet. We're going to celebrate the Eucharist together as a church family and Holy Communion in a moment. But I want in this moment to extend this um, invitation to someone today. And you're like, you know what? That's me. I don't know Christ. He is not the Lord of my life. If you confess him as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from death, that's Romans 10 and 9. He says that you would be saved. Saved from death, saved from hell, and you can have a relationship with him right now. And so if that person is you, I'm going to lead this prayer of commitment. It's not the prayer that saves. It's Jesus who saves. You can have assurance right now that you will be with him forever and you can begin a relationship with him right now. Or you may have run away from him. And I'm telling you, if you had a relationship with him and you're running, all you're doing is just running in his hand. Because the Bible says no one can pluck you out of his hand. But you can stop running today. He's there and he's willing to embrace you again. And so if it's your first time or you're coming back to him right now, I want to invite you to make that decision. And so on the count of three, if that person is you, you're like, this is my first time. I'm going to make Jesus my Lord today. I want to give him my life. Or if you have run away and today you're like, I'm coming back home. 
if that person is you on the count of three right where you are in your living room in your car i'm there with you in the spirit or even you know if you're someone that's online in the chat and you are brave enough you have the courage to raise your hand in a raise hand emoji the online host will see you and we'll be praying with you and we applaud your courage here we go on the count of three you're like that's me include me pastor andrew in this prayer here it is one two three come on pop that hand up right there where you are praise the lord we see those hands in faith in the spirit if that person is you today glory to god for your courage and your response to this good news and so pray this prayer with me out loud and we just say god thank you for sending jesus jesus thank you for dying for my sins and rising from death with all power be the lord of my life and be with me now and forevermore and i thank you for doing it in jesus name amen come on praise the lord come on broadcast campus can we put our hands together and give god praise we're celebrating here with you come on on the in the chat can we celebrate those who have made a decision for christ today glory to our god what a mighty god we serve